With millions of shoppers hunting for deals on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it's the perfect time to increase your average order value. Bold has a great way to do this by offering your customers bulk discounts and tiered pricing with their Quantity Breaks app. Here's how it works. The app displays a grid on the product page of the quantity of an item they need to buy, what the price breaks are at each level. Say you want to offer buy 5, get 10% off, buy 10, get 20% off, etc. Then when your customers add the products to the cart, it automatically adjusts the price and even shows them a neat little notification bar in the checkout of how much they saved by buying in bulk. When we've used this in client stores, it pretty much prints money. Now, the Bold Quantity Breaks app is hands down the easiest way to add tiered pricing to your store. And the best part, you can add the Bold Quantity Breaks app to your store free for 30 days, yes, a month, four weeks, by visiting boldcommerce.com or searching Bold Quantity Breaks in the Shopify app store. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from EtherCycle HQ outside Chicago, about 20 minutes from downtown. And today we are going to talk about the opposite of making more money. We're going to talk about preventing fraud. So certainly this has happened to you. Um, this has happened to probably anybody with a credit card. And it... it my credit card getting stolen and having to go deal with chargebacks is an annual tradition. It's quite, quite frustrating. I don't know how to prevent it, and I really think I'm, I'm quite security conscious, and yet it still happens constantly. It's awful. Um, the it, Last year had, oh, did you make this purchase at Best Buy? No, I didn't. The year before that, hey, did you buy this expensive watch at a jeweler and then ship it to an address you're not familiar with? No, I didn't. Uh, and that those things uh, happen to consumers, which is extremely frustrating, but it's easy, and you go issue a chargeback. Well, what happens to the merchant? The merchant who possibly, in good faith, fulfilled the order, thought it was legitimate, they are the ones who end up eating the cost because they're out the item, you're out the item, and the credit card company says, oh, by the way, we're just going to go ahead and claw that money back from you because you shouldn't have processed it. So they ultimately say the buck stops with the merchant on deciding which transactions are worthwhile to fulfill and you got to do something about it um as a merchant i've i've had it happen to me where we've got our our info products out there for sale 
and a chargeback comes through, and then when I go look at it, realize, oh, good, this is a, a fake email address, a fake person, and a fake purchase, and I know the shortly uh, the, the info products will appear for sale at a discount through a illegitimate, uh, we'll say, uh, pirate site. Always, always an exciting, fun time. Terrible on both ends. So what do we do about it? Well, today I have an expert on the topic, Shoshana Posner from NoFraud, NoFraud.com is going to tell us about it. And she is the Director of Business Development at No Fraud, which, as its name implies, is an online fraud prevention company. And for the past three years, she's been working with companies like Monoprice, my favorite cable manufacturer. They're fabulous. Burton and Burton Snowboards to eliminate their fraud liability. Liability is the key word here. Shoshana, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and thank you for having me today. I'm doing no. great. How are you? <laughs> I'm we- I'm always well. If I was not well, I would not. I wouldn't do the show. It's it just isn't fun, unless I'm I'm feeling it, and I'm I'm feeling it today because we can all relate to the emotional pain of this issue. So it, number one, I want to know how is it happening? I like I feel like I take every step correctly, you know, very security conscious online, and um, in general about data and information privacy, and yet my I'm dealing with these chargebacks. My credit card seems seems to get stolen regularly. How's it happening? Where am I going wrong? Well, I'd like to start off by saying you're not doing anything wrong. Most of the time, it's really not as a consumer. It's not the consumer's fault. The biggest source of of chargeback fraud is it all it all really starts with the big data breaches. Um, in 2017, there were and I'll, I'll actually ask you, how many data breaches do you think there were in 2017? Oh, geez, I yes. don't know. But I, I know I've I have received notifications where it's like, oh yeah, your your info got leaked. I'm like, great, that's that's great, guys. <laughs> yeah, so there were um, 1,579 reported data breaches in 2017. So that means that, and, and and keep in mind, every data breach has thousands and thousands, and sometimes hundreds of thousands. Of- Sometimes millions of records that are stolen. I mean, some of the the notable ones were Experian, Yahoo, Target. I mean, these are uh, you know sites or, or online businesses that a lot of us use. So, unbeknownst to you, uh, your credit card information is likely or was likely stolen by one of these data breaches and sold online on the dark web for 10 cents, 15 cents, depending on the quality of the card. Certain high value cards, you know, if you have a, you know, Amex uh, Platinum, that is going to be worth a little bit more than a, you know, Amex Gold uh, or or an Amex Green card. But re- regardless of the quality of the card, the, the, the card credentials are out there online being sold it, being bought and sold uh, for, for not that much money. And that is how... Some fraudster purchased your card and used your card online to try to purchase goods and resell them for a profit. Uh, uh. So what I'm hearing is there's really not, nothing I could do differently as a consumer. Um, as a consumer, I would say just monitor your credit card statements. Um, and even before they come in, if you see a charge that was not yours, you can simply, you know, Go, go and tell the credit card company, this was not me. The credit card companies do try when they see an unusual pattern. They, you know, they will often send alerts to your phone, to your email. Was this you? You know, I see a purchase for a $1,500 um, server that was made in 
um, you know, Hawaii. I, you know, I, I just saw that your card was last used at a gas station in your, in your town. Um, this doesn't seem like this doesn't look, look good. Was this you? So they do try, uh, to identify fraudulent transactions, but they definitely do not do the greatest job, which is why companies or, or online businesses really do need additional help because the stolen cards are still out there being used on merchants' websites and causing significant significant losses. Um, according to uh, you know the Javelin Strategy and Research Study, the the value of all the losses for fraud in 2017 was 16.8 billion dollars. So it it really hurts. It really hurts merchants that aren't prepared. It is a huge problem. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like the responsibilities, not the consumers. The credit card companies try to stop it, but they aren't solely responsible here. The liability ends up on the merchant because the merchant ships the product and has to give the money back. Exactly. Okay. So what um, for merchants, well, we've definitely established what the issue is. Everybody, if it hasn't happened to you yet, with enough time, it will eventually. How do you identify it? How do you know, like, this is an order I should fulfill, this isn't? I mean, we literally, the first Shopify store we built, um, AmblingCycle.com, uh, this, this bike shop, still up. That was, you know, maybe um, good seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, a long time. And they, I mean, they, they would literally look at the orders and go, and try and just read the tea leaves, be like, does this look right? And oftentimes the solution was call the phone number and then try and, like, further you know, make sure that, yeah, this feels right, et cetera. So with really high dollar purchases, like three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000, they're manually verifying these things. And actually, that's how we caught um, a big jewelry purchase fraud. The jewelry company called me and said, hey, is, was this you? No, it wasn't. So what, that's from my experience, just a, a real world example. What should merchants be doing? How do you identify this? What, what's the deal? Give me some, some actionable advice. <laughs> sure. Stop me from rambling. So I would say the first thing that you need to do is to educate or the first thing a merchant needs to do is to educate them on or to be educated on what fraud looks like. Um, and then I'll, I'll go through a couple of different fraud schemes that exist. And cool. then we'll talk about the different tools that merchants have from the very basic, which is manual review, which is what you've been doing to you know the more sophisticated tools that are out there. So let's start with classic fraud. Classic fraud is generally committed by unsophisticated fraudsters. They're, they're, they're a new fraudster, newly minted, great. They wake up in the morning. I want to, I want to make more money. I'm just going to go buy stolen cards online and I'm going to use them on merchants' websites. So they will um, often use internet proxies, which is you know, a, a way to hide their identity where they are. And they'll purchase goods online and they'll try to ship it to a drop site or to a reshipper that'll ship the goods overseas, depending on where the fraudster is. Um, so the, that is easily identified by use of a proxy. You know, you, your Shopify has um, some tools to be able to identify proxy use. Um, and it does. You, you're, you're also able to tell the difference between billing um, and shipping. It's easy to tell what a reshipper looks like it looks like a vacant storefront um so you always want to check where the product's going um so that's that's you know the basic classic type of fraud some, some the next step up is um what we sometimes like to call interception fraud that's when the fraudsters realize oh okay i keep making these orders they keep getting canceled i need to get a little bit smarter so then they realize you know what i know that when billing and shipping match 
it's not as, um, you know, the red flags don't wave that high. So what they'll do is they will create an order where the billing and shipping will match, and then they'll call up either the customer service rep and sweet talk them into changing the location where the product's going, or they'll actually call up FedEx and reroute the package. This way, um, they can get their hands on the product because you always have to think of the fraudster. The fraudster has to do two things. They have to buy the product and they have to receive the product. So this is the, you know, intercepting the package is a way for fraudsters to try to get the package. An easy way to prevent this is simply telling your customer service reps, if anybody calls to re to change the address in the package, just simply tell them to make the order again. The second thing that you do, and every merchant should be doing this already if they, if they don't um, have this process in place, is they should tell the reshipper to disallow package reroutes. That's a classic way to, to acquire stolen goods. Well, hold on. Let me, let's, let's back up and, and unpack that a little. So I um, look for proxy addresses. So Shopify gives us the IP. You can see the IP address that it originates from. Should I be Googling this IP address? Like I... So, um, and we'll get into this in a little bit, in a, okay. in a little bit but Shopify has a, a free tool called um, Shopify Fraud Filter. And the fraud filter will identify if the IP has a high chance of being a proxy. Oh, interesting. There are lots of free tools. Uh, yeah, so that, that's that's an easy one, you know, to download. And, and if, if any merchant doesn't have that, um, you know, fraud filter on, I suggest that they put that on. Um, it, it's free and it's easy and it, okay. it does give you some information. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, the pros and cons of, of the Shopify fraud filter. Okay. All right, so we'll um, we'll get back to that one, and then the other one that that answers that for now. And, yeah, we'll put a pin in it. Um, the my my other question was, you said uh, identify the reshippers. So obviously, like if they were ridiculous and put the um, the reshipping company name in the uh, ship to address, you're like, all right, that's suspicious. If billing and shipping don't match, all right, that's suspicious. Um, but if the you said it, you know, it looks like a burned out storefront, so should I do a and we've We've done this. We've seen people do this. You take just copy paste the address, put it into Google Maps, check the street view, and now you have an idea of where it's going. Exactly. So that's what you know. Companies that don't have a high volume of transactions, a lot of them will do that, um, and that is helpful in, in being able to see where the product's going. And we'll go we'll go through in in, um, in a little bit. You know, there there are a lot more sophisticated ways to identify uh, you know if the if the where the the destination of the product if it's a reshipper or if it's a home. Um, we'll we'll get to that in a little okay. bit. But if, right. it, as a first line of defense, that can be helpful. All right. Well, we'll get to it, um, and then to to get you back on track before I interrupted you, we covered we're going through fraud schemes, um, which was I found genuinely fascinating. Are there, is that all the fraud schemes? Are there any others just to, to make sure you, you were able to complete your thought there? Oh, yeah, there's a, there are a couple more. Oh, okay. um, there's, uh, there's triangulation fraud, which sounds very sophisticated. It actually is. Um, this is where the fraudsters get really creative. What they do is they create um, storefronts on eBay, on Amazon, um, and they'll sell highly desired goods. When they get a shopper, buy their product on eBay, what they'll do is they'll use a stolen credit card, They'll go to the merchant's store, purchase the goods, and then ship the product to the shopper that purchased on their eBay store. So there's really, it's called triangulation fraud because there are three parties involved. Uh, and this type of fraud, you can identify, um, unfortunately, only when the, usually when the chargebacks come through and you try to pick up the piece and try to figure out where it happened, um, how it happened. 
um, and, uh, you know, really do some sleuthing. I actually had one of our clients that was a victim of triangulation fraud came to us and said, you know, he was so upset when he got that charge back. Um, he realized that the destination address was in his neighborhood. So he got into his car, he drove over to the address and he said, I don't understand. Why did you submit this charge back? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't buy it from your store. So he said, what do you mean? I ship the goods directly to you. And then he realized, he's like, no, I didn't buy it from you. I bought it on eBay. And that's how he figured out exactly that he was a victim of this type of, of fraud. Hmm. So this is, I mean, it's fascinating how, how fraudsters get uh, really creative. This is yeah, hugely fascinating. Um, and I, I'm eating this up. I love it. Uh, I, I like true crime in general as a genre. That's true. A little, little background. That's the number one podcast category I listen to, true crime. Um, and this this fits right into it. This speaks to me. It's really it's interesting. And I've always when I have been the victim of of fraud, I have always you know you get that like you know I'm going to Columbo this and figure out who did it. And of course, like good luck. You're never going to figure it out. Um, but I couldn't even figure out like man, what was the plan here? Because in more than one instance, they had it shipping to my just shipping to me. And I'm like, what? How did that benefit them? But you gave me um, two examples where like a they call up. I go, oh, I put in the wrong address. So, like, shipping and billing match in the initial order, and then they try and edit it by calling the CSR or using, um, uh, I don't know if they all do it, but, like, FedEx, UPS, you could call up, you, know, you pay for this extra service, um, where they say, all right, here's all the packages you're getting, and, like, you confirm your address, and here's your packages that you're getting. That's kind of cool. Um, and you can re you could say, oh, well, hold this or redirect this. So they, I assume that there's a an additional level of uh, identity fraud there that happens to make that work. But man, fascinating. Yeah. And, and to add to that, um, another method that fraudsters try to use to get the goods is sometimes they'll, they'll get a hold of credentials that are near their location uh, where they live. And um, they'll actually wait for the package because they will get the tracking information and they'll wait for the FedEx truck. The FedEx truck drops the product off at someone's porch. They pick it up and off they go with the stolen goods. Um, I even had that. I live in a, in a building in Brooklyn and I had that occur in my building. Um, there was a, 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 a WhatsApp chat for the people in the building and they, you know, they said they saw someone that didn't look like they belonged um, l looking for a package. And he said, no, no, it's mine. See, here's my ad here's my identity. And there, it was clearly someone that had purchased something that was trying to um, pick up, um, you know, stolen goods. Um, it, was, it was pretty wild. And it, had, it was, it was uh, the credentials of somebody in the building that had been stolen um, by this individual. Hmm. So it's, it's uh, again, like the, the, the creativity knows no bounds when it comes to fraud. The payoff is great. You know, you know if you're smart enough to, you know, you know, from the Foster's perspective, if you're smart enough to be creative, you can easily, you know, get products worth thousands and thousands of dollars. Very, man, it, it's fascinating. Um, and we were talking in the pre-call, the, there is a, a book I highly recommend, if this is interesting to you, if not, skip it. Um, but if you want to take a, a deeper dive into it, uh, Kingpin by Kevin Polson, who is, I believe, the former editor of Wired. It's uh, the subtitles, How One Hacker Took Over the Billion Dollar Cybercrime Underground. It is largely about, like 85% of it at least, is about um, credit card fraud, credit card schemes, and just diving into like how it happens and the entire, really like the, the entire life cycle of your credit card upon being stolen start to finish. And it is, um, it, if you find this interesting, you'll, you'll really enjoy that book. So I'll put that in the show notes. And quick listener note. To access the show notes in pretty much whatever device you're on, either tap or swipe on the episode art on your 
your smartphone and it will pop up the show notes. So in like Apple iOS podcast, just swipe up and then boom, show notes. I don't know if you check them out because we got all kinds of uh, links, resources, offers stuck in there for you. And Shoshana, continue. I am, I'm rambly today. I'm just, I'm excited. This <laughs> sure. is interesting. Um, so we'll go through one more, one more type of fraud, which is called um, account takeover fraud. Um, now, so this is an interesting type of fraud. Um, with all the, the the data breaches, a lot of times uh, they won't get credit. The, the the fraudsters won't get a hold of credit card data, but what they will get is login credentials. So they'll get the username and they'll get the password of whatever account it is. Um, it could even be in New York Times, for example. Um, they didn't have a data breach, but I'm just giving an example of a of a, of a possibility where you get a username and password. And the, the what the fraudsters do is that they assume that individuals will use the same username and password in multiple places. So they do something called credential stuffing, which is where they use bots and they'll take the username and password combinations and they'll they'll go to popular sites and we'll just keep hitting the username and password combinations to see if they're able to get into um, to a store um, and they'll be able to log in. Um, many of these stores have, have the option to store credit cards and what they'll do is they'll use the stored credit card to be able to make a purchase um and again so this is not you know the 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 data breach was not with credit card information but using credential stuffing they're able to log in and be able to to purchase goods now the the merchants in these cases and i i actually was a victim of this in um in the spring um i got an order from Walmart. Um, it was a $500 computer. Um, it was canceled. Walmart was smart enough to, or, or savvy enough to realize that this was not my pattern. They also had changed the address um, on the order. You know, um, it wasn't to Brooklyn. It was somewhere in Chicago. So what the fraudsters did is that they added an address in Chicago to my account, and that's where they were shipping the goods. Um, and it's actually pretty wild because I haven't deleted it yet. So anytime I go into my Walmart account to make a purchase, I see that fraudster address in there. I should really delete it. But um, you know, you this is it, just... Have you put it through Google Maps Street View just to see where it goes out of curiosity? No, um, but I haven't I haven't checked that. It was just, I, I, was, I was actually impressed um, that Walmart was able to catch it pretty quickly. Um, but you know, this, again, is, is, is a, a certain type of fraud that institutions or, or businesses really need to be aware of to um, your point yeah. i was once able um i once had the address of someone looked it up on street view and sure enough it was an apartment building in southern illinois so we um and like right away i figured out okay that their plan there's no way they live at this apartment building they were just going to let it get delivered to the the lobby or wherever and then go grab it um yes and no you'd be surprised hmm. um many fraudsters will ship goods to their homes and they simply leverage the fact that the cops or FBI, they're rarely interested in arresting people. We know where the fraudsters live in many cases and no matter how many times we call, there's always an excuse of why um, you know, the law enforcement will not look into the case. So oh, a lot of people simply get away with fraud. That's, that's disappointing. Really frustrating. That's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I think they the the law enforcement is really looking into like sophisticated crime rings. That's where their atten their attention is focused on. So if you may be lucky if the fraudster that hit your store is part of a ring, but in general, um, it, it's not. You won't, you really won't get much help calling the the local authorities or the local authorities to wherever the product's going. Yeah, I remember um, years ago my my mom getting really upset that her credit card got stolen, and this was in the days of like catalog purchases. And called the local local authorities, and of course it went like literally nowhere. They were not at all interested. And I remember, like even at 
as a kid, you know, you've got that black and white idea of right and wrong, and you're like, but there's a bad guy. Why aren't they doing anything? Um, and that, yeah, it, it, it's just frustrating. I get it. We have limited resources, and it's a white-collar crime. But, it, um, yeah, you said it was, what, how many billions a year this costs people? Um, the, the figure is 16.8 billion and that's just 2017. Huge. Huge. Yep. Um, so essentially fraud costs a lot of money and it's not just the chargebacks. Um, it's also, you know, the, the, the true cost of fraud is, you know, the manual reviews, the time spent manually reviewing orders, you know, if that's the method you're going, it's, you know, the chargeback fees, it's fighting the chargebacks when you get them. Um, there are also, you know, lots of different costs. You know, the, the even just like, you know, canceling orders that you're afraid are fraudulent. If it's not done, if it's not done with a lot of knowledge and expertise, you can end up canceling a lot of legitimate orders. Um, so I guess it's a kind of a good segue now to talk about what can merchants do. How do merchants prepare themselves and protect themselves against fraud? Let me let me ask you one follow up question there before you dive into that. And you said mm-hmm. um, you talked about time lost, and you're right. Um, you know, when I was a, a channel manager for a a big auto parts drop shipper, I mean that was um, like there's certain verticals where fraud is more common. Like consumer electronics is a big one. Um, this auto parts, it happened. I think it happened more than um, average. And not only did we lose time, you know, like my my good friends at Amling Cycle, you're losing time trying to verify orders. If you do have a chargeback and you fight it, which you you may very well um, have have reason to to fight a chargeback. It is hugely time consuming for someone who hasn't been through fighting a chargeback. Can you um, can you give us a little background there? Um, sure. So unfortunately, the onus is always on the merchant to be able to prove that this transaction was a legitimate transaction. Um, and one of the, you know, the fraud types that we didn't discuss, but I, I guess we can kind of bring it right in here is, is friendly fraud. Um, a lot of times you will have shoppers that are simply bad apples and they want to get products for free. So what they'll do is look at the product, they ordered it was shipped and they'll say, wasn't me. Um, oh, and for this, yeah. And it is, it's so frustrating because you know exactly that, that they were the ones that made the purchase, and especially, you know, no, no fraud is, is able to get, you know, an incredible amount of data on every purchase. And we're easily able to tell, I mean, the phone number that was used clearly matches the person that purchased um, the goods. The product was a, an ABS match, meaning the credit card company said, this is where the billing address, this is the billing address. We sent it to the, we said the address on file, um, was the, um, it was, sorry, the product was shipped to the billing address. We know it's not a, a, a fraudster. Um, you know, the email address has been around for ages. It has the person's name in it. I mean, there, there are many ways that we're able to tell, and we can get to that in a little bit, um, uh, of how we're able to tell if a transaction is legitimate. Um, but, and we, we know that this is a, simply a bad apple that's trying to get goods for free. So, you know, we fight chargebacks on behalf of the merchants or on behalf of our customers. So we have to gather all the information that we have to prove that this is a legitimate transaction. And the the credit card companies have very specific requirements of what they consider proof, how how we sh- it should be displayed, in what order. You know, different page numbers need different pieces of information, and it's extremely time consuming um, and also very frustrating for merchants because there really is zero benefit. You're not making any money by fighting chargebacks. You are simply just trying to protect losses, which is which is really frustrating. But it, and it definitely takes a while to be able to to fight chargebacks. So you know, I suggest merchants try to prevent them at, at all costs. Yeah, I remember like the 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 sheer. It was like a at least a half day thing, just gathering up 
everything and then to send to the credit card company. And then, like, it looked like a manuscript of papers that we had to mail. It was ridiculous. Um, only, and then, I mean, literally every single chargeback we, uh, we fought, this was uh, 10 years ago, um, for, uh, the, a, for the auto press company I used to work for. Um, I mean, it was very, I think it was rare that they we would win a chargeback. Um, but how many, so we, you ran through a, a bunch of different fraud schemes, and the most, the most damning, the most upsetting is the bad apple, someone who's just straight up abusing the system. They're using their own credit card, may, buying a good they want, sending it to their own home, and then going, no, nah, that wasn't me. I mean, that, that one is the, the one that should really rankle merchants. How often is that? Like of these various schemes, which is which is the most common, and and then where does this one fit in there? Um, I think the most common, um, but luckily the easiest to identify is the classic fraud. Um, it really you know, every merchant is exposed to different types of fraud. It depends on the product they're selling, how desirable is it, um, how easy is it to resell. Um, a lot of it revolves around um, you know, where you're getting your traffic, who, which types of eyeballs, and the quality of the eyeballs that are looking at your product. Um, so it, it really varies by merchant. Um, I do want to say, though, that the good news about friendly fraud is that it's, it's much more winnable than true fraud. It's very difficult to be able to win a true fraudulent chargeback, which is why prevention is so important. When it comes to friendly fraud, you can't prevent it because you never know which one, which one of your shoppers are the bad apples. I mean, afterwards, you can blacklist all their information. But for the first time that they purchase from you, there's no way to know that they're a bad apple because their transaction is it is a legitimate transaction. You are shipping the product to the cardholder. But the good news is that you can usually win these types of, of chargebacks. So, again, you'll lose the fraud ones, um, but you'll generally win the friendly fraud ones. Okay, good to know. Um so the uh, next step in that conversation was how do you protect yourself? That was where that was where you wanted to go, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So help us. You know, we're talking, how do we save ourselves? <laughs> we're talking about all this scary stuff and how I know fraudsters are out to swipe every penny of profit that you have. Um, but there are there are many ways that you can prevent um, chargebacks. So um, the first one is what most what many merchants do is they use gateway filters. So um, lots of gateways have filters to either flag certain transactions or cancel certain transactions based on predefined criteria. So um, the first one that most merchants use is, uh, those are AVS filters. So AVS is, and I, I mentioned this briefly, um, this is information that the credit card is giving to merchants on the billing address. Generally when fraudsters purchase goods, or often, I wouldn't say generally, they may not know the billing address. They'll get the credit card number, they'll get the CVV code, but they may not know the billing address. So one of the first lines of defense that merchants often use is that they will flag instances where the billing address is not the one that the credit card has on file. Um, they can also do the same thing with different billing and shipping, um, CVV codes. Um, so that's generally the first line of defense. Now, I will say that this is not, um, you know, while it seems to be logical because Often these these methods are called you know fraud filters. Um, they often have a very high rate of false declines, meaning that yeah you know um, we've actually done some analysis on our data and 92% of orders with the wrong billing address are actually legitimate orders. So while it may be helpful to you know for a small shop that's 
manually reviewing orders to just get a pair of eyeballs on the ones that have an ADF mismatch. I strongly do, I know, I strongly advise not to have any gateway filters that automatically cancel orders simply because you will be canceling legitimate orders. I referred to the Shopify fraud filter before. That is a tool, meaning what Shopify does is they have you know, a couple, maybe 10, 15, 20 different uh, you know, data pieces that they look at to try to identify and help merchants know if a transaction is fraudulent or not. And what they'll do is they'll say, you know, this transaction is green. Um, everything looks like a great order. It looks nice and clean. They'll have an orange, meaning there are some risk factors on the order. You know, here are the two pieces of data that we see on the order that make the order seem suspect. And then there'll be the red, meaning you know this is strongly correlated with fraudulent transactions, with with you know fraud that we've seen. Um, you may you know, and they, their recommendation is to cancel the order. So you, you definitely get a lot of data, and it's it's you know native with, within the order management screen, or within each order you're able to see Shopify's answer. So it does it definitely helps um, identify fraudulent orders. Um, and I, and you know, it, it helps merchants be able to at least understand which orders need to have a second pair of eyes. Um, the Shopify fraud filter is good, um, but it's not great, meaning that it doesn't look at it, or it doesn't use all the available fraud technology that exists today. So while it's helpful, um, you know, merchants have come to know fraud saying, you know, it kept canceling legitimate orders or it missed a couple of them. So if customers using score and tool models still don't have success um, or have moderate success, they may want to turn to the full service models. Now, these are services that will do everything for you, meaning that the, the, the transactions are screened using you know, the latest cutting edge technology and they are, you know, there's no manual review component all of the manual review is, is either done in-house or is, uh, you know, it, 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 there's a, a usage of machine learning that will be able to tell the customer if the transaction is legitimate or not. Um, you know, our, you know, no fraud's philosophy is that, you know, there's always, you no know, machines can only take us so far, at least, <laughs> at least to today. Um, and there's always going to be that interesting shopper, the one that has unique purchasing patterns that needs a, a human pair of eyes to really identify if, if a transaction is legitimate or not. And the real key is precision. I really, I've got three options with um, how to approach fraud. Well, four. Well, first, I could just not worry about it. I could say this is a cost of doing business and ignore it. Second, I can attempt to manually review everything. So rather than say, let um, you know, automatically authorize transactions, go and, and manually review. And I think this, um, if you do a lot of just uh, your lower volume, higher order value, that's probably uh, where you start. And third, there is a free app from Shopify called Fraud Filter by Shopify, but relative to more advanced solutions, as that setup implies, it's basic. If you just install, so biggest misconception, if you install Fraud Filter, the free one from Shopify, nothing happens. Out of the box, it doesn't do anything. It is up to you to add rules to it, um, according, you know, if you understand what it's doing, to try and prevent um, fraud. So you can say, all right, well, here's... Don't allow um, purchases from this IP address. Don't allow purchases where the email contains X. And one thing we did was look up um, the... There were a few common free or anonymous or secure email providers that were only used by people ripping us off. So we just blocked purchases from those. But you have to come up with those rules. It's still on you to be responsible for it. And then third, the moat um, is to use a a more advanced solution that's using machine learning 
um, like no fraud to so out delegate it, outsource it, let someone else deal with it. So that's I think did I, did I get it right? Um, well, the first, let me read it. The first is to do nothing. Um, the second is to use the, the gateway filter. So there's you no know, Shopify payments authorized on that. They're the ones that give you the, um, the, the ability to flag certain transactions, to either cancel and review. This, the third is to use a score and tool model. One of them, and a Shopify fraud filter is a, is an example of those, but Shopify's fraud filter does not allow you to, uh, um, you know, they'll give you a score, but they won't, they don't give you the tools to create rules based on the data that you see. So it's a little right. kind of like a lesser type of score and tool model. So all you'll see is the data and you, you aren't able to say, you know, if these three factors exist then cancel the order that has to all be done manually, which is why so a full service solutions exist because, you know, Shopify customers have realized, you know, what Shopify is offering just isn't good enough for us, especially now that they're having a lot of high volume, you know, there, there are many high volume merchants and, it's it's just not scalable. You can't scale a business by having to manually review you know, thousands of orders a day. So then, uh, the the ultimate step is an advanced an advanced solution like you're offering. Um, and it sounds you're using a model that we're seeing more and more. That seems to be the way a lot of a lot of services are going. A hybrid solution where you've got um, you know first line of defense is uh, an artificial intelligence model or machine learning, um, and then the the second is for stuff that is not cut and dry, you have human eyeballs on it that make a decision. Um, correct. That's no fraud approach. There, there are other full service models that do not have the manual review component, and the onus is on the merchant when they get a, a decline. If they believe it's not a real decline, they have to go and bring proof back to the fraud solution, and they'll and say, "Look, I know this is a real order. Here's the proof." And then the fraud solution will take another look at it and either approve it or deny it. Um, those types of transactions, no fraud will shift right into review, meaning that you know, we see that it's the, the, there are high-risk indicators, yet we can potentially validate the order, and we will um, proactively conduct the manual review. I know our, our founders are e-commerce merchants. They understand how hard it is to get people into your door and to, be, you know, if, to cancel an order due to suspicions of fraud without being entirely sure is, um, you know, it's a real pity. So, you know, the, the review process really is what's creates the precision and be be able to really identify the good orders from the bad okay uh so what what's the next step so the the solution really the ideal solution the best way to protect myself is an advanced solution naturally we are biased here in favor of no fraud um how do i if i saying all right you made the case i don't want to deal with it especially going to the holidays um, I just want to just process the orders and not worry about it. What's my next step? Like, how does how do I get started with no fraud? How do uh, how do I set it up in my store? How does it work? And what's it going to cost me? Um, sure. So the, um, we've created an app where you can go into the app store. You can take a look at our reviews. Um, they're excellent, uh, and you can simply download the app and try it out. We have a, a free. Uh, two-week free trial, so customers can really get an op- can really get a good feel for how the fraud solution works, and make sure that it's this is something that they believe is good for their business and fits with with their model. Um, a setup takes about ten minutes, um, and customers have options to either have the fraud solution screen orders once the transaction once the payment has been captured, meaning the order is created. Um, no fraud steps in there, takes a look, and says this is great. This is a good order. 
so you can ship this out. Um, or this is not a good order. You can, um, you know, auto cancel the order if you want no fraud to do that, or you can cancel the orders yourself if you want. Um, another option for companies using a third-party fulfillment center uh, or thir- a third-party uh, fulfillment company um, is to have no fraud capture payments only on the orders that we have screened and deemed that they are legitimate. So this way, the third-party fulfillment company does not pull in orders that we later conclude are fraudulent. Very good. Um, so, you know, and it works, and the no fraud solution works in, in, you know, in fractions of a second. We're able to leverage pretty much every fraud prevention technology that exists. I mean, we take a look at um, you know, some basic information like, you know, IP, email, um, where the product's going. Um, we'll even take a look at the device um, has this iPad, has this laptop, has this phone been linked to previous fraudulent activity? We take a look at patterns. Shopify is able to tell us how often someone tried checking out. Did they use multiple cards? That's information that we're able to get and leverage. Typically, um, you know, or often fraudsters that buy lists of stolen cards are using using them one in a row to try to be able to see which one hasn't been canceled yet by the credit card company. So we're able to get all this data pull it in uh, using you know, a combination of you know, machine learning and, of course, the human element when a transaction is suspect. And we're able to identify the legitimate transactions from the fraudulent ones. Um, and one thing that no fraud also offers, which I'm sure will be a relief, <laughs> is that not only do we identify fraudulent transactions, but we have a fraud chargeback guarantee. Meaning if there's a transaction that we screened and we told the merchant that it is a legitimate order and it results in a fraud chargeback, no fraud will reimburse the customer for the chargeback amount. So this really helps merchants not have to worry about fraud at all, because if we're wrong, they will be reimbursed. So their fraud liability is essentially zero. That is phenomenal. So it's everything I want to hear in a solution is, hey, it just works. It's automated. You don't need to worry about it. Like it's the, I mean, the fear with chargebacks is it, I'm going to lose time. I'm going to lose money. It, it's not a good look. We're solving that and um, solving any investment in wor- time investment in verifying these orders. So I love it. It sounds like a great solution. I did look up your App Store listing and in the reviews, not one bad review. 31 five-star reviews, two four-star reviews. Fantastic. Let me, and I scrolled through them, let me read one from MMA Warehouse, which is a, a big one and uh, coincidentally was... Uh, in an office complex, I used to work in like four offices down. But all right, so the, they wrote, switch to no fraud from another large competitor. We're saving time, money, but best of all is their acceptance rate, which we find to be a significant improvement. We could truly trust that if no fraud says it isn't good, then it probably isn't very happy with the service. Because my fear, um, you know, and maybe people can relate to this, my fear with a, a service like this is that it will... To prevent fraud, it'll go overboard. It will deny legitimate transactions, which we lose out on the money, and it's frustrating and upsetting for the customers. Like, hey, stop denying my purchase. This is legitimate. Um, and it, it sounds, based on the reviews, that's consistently what people love about it. So like, we were already, we're already sold on the idea of fraud prevention. We were using a different service, but it kept denying legitimate orders, and no fraud doesn't do that. So very cool. Yes, that's a it's a, a frustration that we've heard from many of our clients that have used competing fraud prevention solutions, and a lot of them had said, you know, they they were great in the beginning, but then as soon as we got a chargeback, all of a sudden my approval rate plunged. Um, you know, and you know, it, it's not 
helpful um, if a fraud solution is only canceling, uh, you know, or is only approving the, the very obvious or obviously legitimate orders. So keeping that fine balance, and again, it's really that precision that is key when it comes to shopping for a fraud solution. You want a fraud solution that cancels really just only the fraud. You want as many orders to go through as possible. And again, that's where our review process comes in is we have human beings that understand fraud, that are experts at fraud. That's all they do. They live, breathe fraud. Um, and they're able to identify and, and really distinguish the legitimate transactions um, from the fraudulent ones. And, and especially with, you know, humans are interesting beings. We do weird things. We travel, we give gifts, we, um, you know, we move. There's, you know, there's, there's so many reasons why a transaction would seem suspect and it's a completely legitimate order. Even, you know, the, you know, we mentioned previously the freight forwarders, uh, you know, while using freight forwarders is a, a classic fraud move, there are many times that legitimate customers will want to use a freight forwarder. Many companies don't sell internationally. So international customers really like your product. They really want to get it, but they, they can't ship over overseas. So what they'll do is they'll use a freight forwarder that has a U.S. address. That way the merchant will ship the product to the freight forwarder and the freight forwarder will you know, ship it to Hong Kong or wherever the, wherever the customer lives. So while you know, a freight forwarder... Um, uh, the use of a freight forwarder is definitely a very big red flag. There are many, many reasons or many legitimate transa transactions that are shipped to freight forwarders. So it's it's really being able to slice and dice and just understand what truly is fraud and, and what is not. And that's where no fraud has its leg up And you have on, on other solutions. You have a special offer for us. Tell me about it. Um, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, no fraud is offering a 20% discount for the first three months of service for all of the listeners on this podcast. So when the you know, free trial's up, um, our uh, customers get contacted by a no fraud rep and simply say, you, you listen to the, the Shopify podcast and you want that 20% discount. Um, and that's it. That's all I need to do. And you'll be able to have you know, fraud-free e-commerce at, at a discount. Thanks to Kurt. Very good. I appreciate it. Okay. And where could people go to get started? Uh, simply onto the Shopify app store, search for no fraud, and we're right there. I have linked it in the show notes uh, for people, as well as uh, the other the details of the special offer um, and anything else we mentioned. Shoshana, this has been enlightening. I thoroughly enjoyed the true crime discussion. Thank you. Thank you for having me. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial shopifypodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. 
You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.